So today, me and Sonny are here with Connor. Uh, Connor, if you want to give a brief description about yourself. I like politics and playing guitar. There you go. And so we just wanted to, you know, go over some of the, you know, recent events um, with, you know, news. And one of the big things that came out recently was, I believe it was yesterday, was the Elon Musk backing out a Twitter deal. Um, so essentially what happened is Elon Musk came out and said that Twitter was withholding information about its bots and spam accounts, which is why he's backing out of the deal. And Twitter has vowed to sue Elon Musk so that the deal goes through. Um, and I just, what are your guys' overall thoughts with, you know, the whole Twitter, Elon Musk? I think ultimately it's going to be a settlement. So you think Elon's still going to like, he's still going to get it? Yeah. I think either Twitter's going to sue him and they're either going to force him to buy it or they're going to settle in courts because a lot of cases like this end in settlements. Yeah, Which but would mean he would end up getting it for cheaper, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think that essentially with this, like, is it really that big of a deal for the Twitter spam bots and spam accounts that it would make you back out of a deal? I don't think he has. Um, I don't know. I think yes, because people can use spam bots for tons of different things. Yeah. So knowing specifically where they from, how many there are in the demographics, and if they aren't being entirely truthful about it, then there could be an argument there. I am not entirely the side, not my wheelhouse, but seeing how bots can be used regularly for like political reasons, for campaigns like that, people have like specifically their bots for like saving. Yeah. Oh, like when when, when Joe Biden had like half of his Twitter followers were fake. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there's that, that. There's, there's troll, that troll bots as well. Yeah. So I think that's, I feel like it could be in that wheelhouse, personally. I mean, definitely. I mean, I really thought Twitter was going to be happy and they're going to be like, take it. Because, you know, they, the whole freedom of speech thing, I thought they were going to be like, yes, we get our platform back. But I, I guess they really want to sell it. I, I was really surprised about that. They have a fiduciary duty to try right. to get the best deal possible. They could be sued by their investors if they didn't sue Elon. Exactly. Oh, Okay. Elon offered them such a Ooh. high price so that they were forced to take it or else be accused of would not the come sorry, yeah, go ahead. Would the investors blame Twitter executives for not making sure the deal went through, for not giving him information on the bots? Yeah, could they sue him for that too? Could they I no, suspect could they blame them like their own employees for that? Hmm. They they might have a case against the board, that would be that fiduciary duty mm-hmm. type thing. Um I don't even know if the word is fiduciary, but I, I, I watch Succession. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, but I suspect that Elon uh, constructed the deal to give him this back door in mm-hmm. case he got cold feet later, or maybe that was part of his plan all along, was to make a bunch of noise about a deal mm-hmm. and then walk it all the way up to the point where he could still back out and distract from the part where he sold a bunch of his stock in Tesla at its high point in order to Ooh. buy twitter that's just and a that's, lot of profit that's what him. he told yeah. you know the board and his investors i just i just need to take this money out to do this really cool thing i, I think you he should has... be excited about the cool thing i'm going to do with the money and not well, the fact that i'm I cashing mean, out i think the whole thing about like him buying twitter has, was like, a legitimate people, reason like, no, no, that but also i think he has like investors helping him buy it along i don't think it's yeah just it's, it's not him. just him it was there's there's numerous people like the the saudi He's prince getting, and yeah yeah so i think personally um I think what he was doing was admirable. Is that the word? Admirable. Admirable. Because of, you know, the issues with Twitter. Twitter was an echo chamber for the left. And you can't really, um, you know, have a platform and silence the other side just because they have different opinions, you know. 
And that's essentially what it was. And it was known for like numerous, numerous, numerous instances of just people on the left getting banned and, um, but then with so the right, the left, social the right. also open yeah, up? Yeah, more, I was, I'm trying to say more on the right, left and right getting banned, but it was more the right. What were you saying? Should, should, should truth social also open up to everybody? 100%. 100%, yeah. I think all social all media platforms. social media platforms should have <clears throat> a sort of duty to have all speech as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think obviously like, like if you're, you know, um, if there's hate speech out there in some instances, like, yeah, like if you're talking about like we should meet up and be kkk members and kill black people like yeah obviously you know stuff like that should be there should be action taken against your platform no i would so, like to see it because i would like to know who's saying it so i could be like i don't need to even go near you but even then i mean i think that that kind of you know place and misinformation could be but also you know, it's the issue. internet a tweet like that could be someone having a f- telling a joke a really terrible joke amongst their friends as opposed to just well that's essentially what the review board would have to look at was yeah. this a joke was this serious was this person actually crazy and a white supremacist you know something like that mm-hmm. but overall when you have you know people getting silenced for their, their opinions on like guns for example and them just blatantly stating facts about an argument and it's just like they get banned because of how they responded some way to someone. I'd have to see some examples of that because when the right wing tells you that they are being unfairly silenced on Twitter, they don't mention that most of the speech that they're being silenced for is hate speech, that there is perfectly legitimate right wing speech. I mean, can did you watch? You be, you know, there was a whole thing about um, well, no, a bunch the, of truckers did, getting banned for tweeting. I don't know if it was truckers per se, but like if you, there was a point in time where if you just tweeted out "learn to code," you would just get banned. Yeah, learn and to it would learn, learn to, code. to code, and it was a big I thing. If, if you yeah. watch the Joe Rogan podcast with Tim Pool and the Twitter executives, I think it was Jack Dorsey, and then one of the uh, lawyers, top yeah, one lawyers. of the top lawyers, they literally kept saying exactly what you said. Well, we need a specific example, and then he would give a specific example, and then she'd be like, "Yeah, well, uh, we need another example that's anecdotal or whatever, you know." And then he would give another example, and it was just a, a circle of him giving example after example of you know people on the right being banned for literally BS, and one of the things was learn to code well it didn't um, learn to code wasn't like a left wing or a right thing thing it's just i think it was just like a response the, to yeah like if it didn't matter if you had just tweeted out at that time learn to code you would just get banned yeah for whatever reason and there's there's numerous strange there's just numerous instances where the point is freedom of speech is, is definitely limited i mean we can even i'm not gonna no i'm not gonna go into that but the the point is is it's definitely there like they definitely limit you on what you can say and what you can post and um we saw that. I mean, after Elon announced the deal, magically, all these accounts got unbanned. All these right-leaning accounts got unbanned just out of nowhere. You know, follower accounts started dropping. All the bu- spam accounts, all the fake accounts, people started losing followers, gaining followers randomly. I mean, the problem was, with that is correlation that causes you. We, at the end of the day, we don't really know what it is. Because Twitter won't. Definitely you know, speculate. Yeah. I mean, but that's essentially why Twitter, uh, I mean, Elon backed out of the deal because he said, like, you're not giving me usable or significant information about the spam bots and the uh, fake accounts. So he was like, because you're not giving me this information, which is a big part of the platform, considering Joe Biden, half of his Twitter followers were fake. He had 22 million followers. He only had a lot of the million. major accounts have large portions of uh, the accounts that follow them uh, fake. Yeah, um, but that's not simply because they're padding their follower accounts. That's because mm-hmm. those bots are trying to get information about that user mm-hmm. because it's they're they're big. So I don't know that particular instance. I don't know if it's really illustrative of some sort of like left wing bias that you might be implying there. Yeah, I, I think mean, there's problems with the Twitter moderation, obviously, but. At the same time, hate speech should be banned and 
I mean, yeah, I, I agree with it you. Stifles communication and limits freedom of speech and creates a toxic atmosphere. And it, it that's you you want to you want to have as a, a healthy conversation of and, opinion and stuff as possible. I mean, but when you have better. executives coming out and basically saying the same thing, like we don't want freedom of speech, which was I don't think uh, they, it's in their interest to have total freedom of speech. Um, I could say this having worked with platforms, it stifles the amount of new audience members that they can bring in when the mm -hmm. new audience member comes in and sees that it's full of a bunch of people saying learn to code they don't know what that's about it seems like it's passive aggressive it's mm -hmm. not constructive uh, so i can see why they yeah that even though i might disagree with it on the margin um and uh it's just a really complicated problem and that's why some of the that's some of the reason why you have to have a variety of different platforms with different moderation policies that Truth Social is a competitor and it's only a competitor insofar as it has different moderation policies. I mean, yeah. look, to an extent, but I mean, even then, like, the the issue for me is just that, you know, when it comes to, like, uh, right-leaning, you know, um, creators, they do not, they would not be able to get the same amount of views and or um, status that the left-leaning gets because... Well, they're not as popular. I mean, you can say that, but that's just not true. I mean, look at, I mean, like, for example, How YouTube. Can you can I think that's definitely that. literally less popular. No, 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 I mean, okay, I for, for, like, let me give an example. If there is censorship for right on Twitter, then it becomes hard to 100% be like, yeah, the 100% like left is just more popular. I think it's here, obviously. Yeah. There's, there's just a smaller audience for like right I mean, wing you, Okay, stuff look, the point online. I was making was G Demolition Ranch is a prime example, right? This. It's uh, oh, yeah. oh. it's a right leaning. It's not necessarily political, but it's a channel about guns and experimenting with guns and all kinds of stuff like that. YouTube constantly like shafts, um, you know, the monetization on that. They don't allow monetization on guns for whatever reason, because um, I guess it's dangerous They're and scary. They're being pressured even. by the advertisers who yeah. don't want their advertising to end up on gun programs, and YouTube doesn't have. Um, uh, granular control over what ads appear where because it's sold on large-scale programmatic advertising markets mm -hmm. um, so the only way that they can moderate that is by demonetizing entire accounts well that that's what I'm saying is essentially you know um, I know that guns is more like a controversial thing but um, I remember watching a podcast with the guy who runs demolition ranch and he was just saying like I wonder what my views would really be like if you know I wasn't getting, you know, demonetized and kind of like buffered by, you know, YouTube because essentially they do limit you and it's a known thing, especially if you look at gun channels as a whole on YouTube, a lot of them do get limited and Roman Atwood, it was between Roman Atwood and um, Matt, the guy who runs Demolition Ranch and they were talking about it and he was just like Roman Atwood who, you know, smile more, always talks about it, it's super upbeat guy never really talks about guns but he noticed every time his views would take a significant drop when there was a gun in the video and it wasn't necessarily that it was in the thumbnail but youtube would specifically see like oh there's a gun in this video we're going to limit the reach on this video which is the whole point i was making I that, think that's uh, that platforms do actually make an effort it could to, also be that it just wasn't as interesting of a video for his audience in that's due I mean, part i mean because it is you like nobody's gonna know and yeah the yeah. way youtube works is that like if you start a channel, you need to show that whatever it is you're starting, especially if it's like you're just starting a channel, like make sure everything you're going to be covering is within that channel because the moment you diverge from that, it's going to be a lot harder to grasp and, and keep getting views. 
Because you've already within built, that that algorithm. Yeah, because you've yeah. already built an audience. I mean, that is that. definitely a possibility. But I mean, looking at it with Twitter and them specifically not handing over information and them, you know, right. Definitely, there's some stuff that you know, Twitter and a bunch of other people were trying to like, um, not Twitter, Elon. We're trying to look look into with the coding and all different kinds of stuff and like what they were doing. Because again, like the day that Elon Musk and, and like within that week that he announced that he was going to buy the platform, um, there was like drastic changes. Like I said, of all of a sudden people magically got unbanned. All of a sudden people's follower accounts like went up and down. So like right leaning people all of a sudden gained a ton of followers. People on the left people magically just. The- Elon getting Twitter was going to mean that there were going to be more white ring voices on Twitter, so they started going and refollowing people on Twitter. I mean, I think it's both. I think I yeah. think it's a, a combination that may of point multiple to like things, some disagreement you know? within like Twitter upper management over the direction of the company or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just stick on the, the idea that Elon is going to be the solution to these problems for anybody because the real problem is that the free market is making these decisions that these platforms are trying to you know, expand their audience and deliver ads and provide a valuable product to the ad marketer, the the marketing organizations um, in the form of user attention. And the only way to alter that situation is it's not to bring in another capitalist. It's to have user control over the platforms and representation in the platforms. So you can see what you want to see yeah, in your timeline. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And the, the framework for that is up for debate. That, that I also think sort of in combination of like the advertising thing on YouTube. I think uh, there should be sort of like an underworld category where advertisers get to like, obviously they would have to, there'd have to be structural changes, I guess within YouTube, but like if advertisers want to advertise on a gun channel, they could be like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like who cares? Well, I mean, I've noticed that cause I've used Google ads and they like specifically make it impossible to find a channel unless you put in a link. So, like, for example, if um, you wanted to, like, let's say, Coleon Noir or, you know, like, let's say someone on the right, like Ben Shapiro, if you were to, like, Google or, like, in, in Google ads where you can, like, specifically place on certain channels, if you look up Ben Shapiro, exactly how the channel is spelled, it won't come up unless you put in the link. And that's happened to me, like, numerous times um, when I've done ads for people where they've, like, oh, I want to target this specific audience and I've like specifically looked up channel names, just how they're actually spelled, and it will not come up, and it'll say no channels available. And then I have to actually go to the channel, grab the link, and then put it on. And that only happens with certain channels, or is that just their search engine being bad? Because YouTube search is pretty bad. I mean, it could That's like again, true. again, <laughs> That's true. this is what I'm saying. It's it it could be a bunch of different things, and honestly, unless you're suing them and you subpoena them, you're not going to actually know what is actually happening. But I mean, I'm just saying from my point of view, from other people's point of views, from, you know, all this kind of stuff of people saying I've been censored. And then you see that like Twitter executives are like, we don't want freedom of speech. And then, you know, all these accounts magically get unbanned when, you know, there's I'm just saying there's an argument to be made there. I can't tell what in that right wing grievance is uh, apophana and what is actually real. Like what is just like pattern recognition in feeling like you were being persecuted in your media mm-hmm. choices just because the tool that you're looking to, to use to get to that media is imperfect. Um, that might I mean, be, it's a possibility. That, that's like a technical problem and not necessarily a political conspiracy. Um, I don't think that the Twitter uh, board is targeting right-wing media. It's targeting what it thinks it's hate speech, and that happens for some reason to be right-wing media. They're targeting things that, that they think bias, that... It's 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 the cause and effect, um, mm-hmm. like 
I mean, but you can't there blame could be everything hate speech on, on the left. But for some reason, there isn't. So, like, what quality of the left? Oh, there's definitely like, like some individual. That. Have any examples? There's definitely individuals I've seen that have been like, "Let's blow up the Supreme Court." Don't do that, and they like didn't get banned at all. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. There was like plenty of like comedians who came out and people on the left, not even comedians. Remember the lady who like cut off, had like the severed Trump head and was all bloody, and she posted that on Twitter and she didn't get banned. But then, you know, all of a sudden, January six rolls around and and the, you know this is this is a thing of like how essentially um, remember. There's, people can say like death to Trump supporters and like I hate Trump and fuck Trump and I hope he dies. I hope he gets all this kind of stuff. You can say that kind of stuff, but then the minute it's against Joe Biden, you're getting banned for it. So I'm just I think I think that dichotomy, you know, is something that you'd really have a hard time showing. In, not necessarily. With, with but, I mean, it, it, just again, it, it, it's, like, yeah. it's hard to and, and, and many, many examples. Yeah, I don't I don't have, again, access to Twitter, so I can't look at all the accounts that they did ban for saying stuff like that. But I mean, again, when there's like major public figures that aren't getting banned for things like that, when the other side, you know, when left and right both do it, but then only right gets punished, then it's kind of like, OK, you're biased, which is essentially my point. I'm an independent, so like both of them. But I'm just saying, you know, I just don't. I just don't know why being biased is alone itself a criticism of the 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 media. Well, well no, I'm saying it's biased. biased. And, and, and I don't know that, that that's a negative thing too. Even no, I'm, I mean, my be, point I is that biased their is bias would thing. just result in more bans from the right side because left hate speech was probably significantly different from right hate speech. So if you're they biased, you can't draw an equivalency between them. Yeah. So the if you're already left leaning or very left biased and like some of the things that they say the right might uh, interpret as hate speech as opposed to what like i guess if there's hmm how do i say this okay so if left winning left leaning people are saying oh f- death to x senator or, or x you know. right individual right political pundit or whatever and people who are already working within twitter see that and they're like agreeing with that they might not necessarily be 100% objective and banning that person as opposed to a right-wing person saying that against. I think the question that they're asking in their actions is not, do I agree with this, but is this conducive to um, a larger audience on the platform? Mm. And with those uh, critiques of the Supreme Court, for instance, uh, that seems to be conducive to a a larger audience, they think, Mm -hmm. uh, a more accepting audience, because a lot of people don't like the Supreme Court right now. They're reading the room, and that is not evidence of their political bias, but evidence of their need User for a bias, larger audience. I guess. I mean, but even then, I mean, like, there's numerous instances you know, like, of yeah. fact-checkers, basically. I think um, I'd have to look up the article and, and show it to you, but where multiple, like, Facebook, meta, well, now it's meta, but they came out and, like, were saying that they kind of just... They, they were blatantly biased, and they weren't necessarily fact-checking. They were just fact checking for the left essentially which was you know removing stuff that would be um that would go against the narrative for the democratic party if the narrative is correct and it's not necessarily the democratic party's narrative because the Mm -hmm. democratic party is not a monolith um then you should be fact checking for that narrative like if no essentially (laughs) essentially what i'm saying is like if the right is posting something that contradicts what the the left is saying Right where they are showing well, the, the question facts that you're asking there is: Is the left factually correct in their statement there? Like, for instance, it, when the CDC says that ivermectin is not a good approach, mm-hmm. and the right says 
that's crazy, ivermectin is great, and then the platform goes and looks at all the ivermectin studies and with their expertise, which right, they do have, they say that like it's, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's BS. Um, they shut down the right well, that's, posts, but again, then that's I, like I, censorship? Th- no, like, I mean, know. essentially there's, uh, I remember uh, Colion Noir, who I've told you to look at multiple times, there was a specific example where he um, highlighted... Um, this this was like a year ago, so I, I don't remember the details specifically. But he highlighted something about guns, and so a fact checking website that is like widely known and widely used. Snopes. It was no, I don't I don't know that. I, I, again, this is factcheck.com. It was it was something <laughs> where it was it was pretty. Uh, it was around election time when Trump Biden, you know, and um, they basically fact che- checked him saying he was wrong, and he went in and like looked at their sources, and he was like, I specifically said in my video that this specific article that you used to fact check me was wrong, and here's why, and yet you still went and then used that same article to fact check me and say that I was incorrect. When I p- pointed out all the flaws in this article, is what you're mad about here the label fact checking as something I, that seems I'm to just, be? My, I'm not mad. I'm saying that there's that there's fact checkers that are specifically they, they are biased and they will um, silence the rights views and facts. Well, you know, I don't think it's silencing and the nature of discourse is that it's it can't not be biased. There is no such thing as like perfect realism there. Mm-hmm. You can approach it but never reach it. So. Um, the fact checkers come in with the notion that they're going to do their best to get to reality, but they're still going to approach it with the biases. And Colin Noir seems to be holding them to an absurd standard when he critiques them for disagreeing with him I on the substance of the issue. I mean, I think that if you're a fact checker, I think you should like look into the article that instead of just being like, oh, this article says that he's wrong when they didn't actually like check the article to be like, okay, what points... You know, are here and you know stuff I like mean, that. There's, also, there's issues with like around. good faith arguments. I, I, could, and I have an article, but charity. you're not gonna like it because of the source. So. Oh yeah. What? Yeah. No, go for it. No, 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 no. Is it's it a New, New York, York Post. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, he's not. He's gonna be like that. Like, and then I'm gonna have to read this entire article and then. Oh, it's know, gonna go be two it. paragraphs. It'll, you know. Hey man. Go real by real NBC, fast. NBC, NBC, Wall Street Journal, um, CNN. There's a few. So I mean. There's a lot of problems with the main stream news media so-called yeah um, especially with the incentive structures that lead them to you know underutilize long-form journalism and you know uh, not explain uh, the issue in depth but also not air um uh like a like a, a pro uh, proletariat view mm. of the issue they are looking at it from the perspective of upper middle class generally white college educated journalists and so most mm. of the news media is fundamentally conservative they're there to make money yeah um, so you can't trust them insofar as they do that but you can trust them to a degree and you mm. can approach their articles with a degree of uncertainty a grain of salt yeah but still you know looking for the the truth and what they're trying to say and how they're trying to depict reality that changes when you're looking at political reactionary news media like New York Post and Fox News and stuff like that. Same with CNN. And uh, I don't think CNN is reactionary. It it might be biased, but it's not trying to. Not only are they biased, they depict a contrarian view of reality that is much farther removed. What makes you say that? They do the same thing that Fox and News. I don't think they do the same thing at all. Like they did the same thing. They they misrepresent vaccine misinformation, and that was one of the most egregious. They specifically didn't want to talk about um, Hunter Biden during the elections because they knew it would make. I think they had legitimate reasons there to not 
air the Hunter Biden criticism. I mean, but it, it was real. I mean, when you have a person's no, ID, perfect time to talk about. It, I, when you have his ID, thing, his yeah. signature, and his all this, and his they, laptop they was got left in somewhere. Huge trouble for uh, BuzzFeed, especially got in huge trouble from the right wing news media, justifiably for uh, uh, publishing the um, Steele dossier, um, which was like verified only to a certain degree and full of obvious Russian misinformation, right? Mm -hmm. They shouldn't They shouldn't have published that. And most of the other news organizations, including CNN, held off for months from publishing that because they didn't think but it was responsible. You, you and can't tell me in this... And pulled a BuzzFeed in publishing the Hunter Biden data without actually... You cannot say in this actually, instance, this Hunter Biden... There were pictures of him on the computer. I mean, what was there yeah, to refute? The, of him with crack pipes in his mouth, him with drugs, like... It the was, chain of evidence in that laptop case was uh not it, it wasn't good you couldn't prove that the the pictures originated on the laptop or hunter biden put it there or that it was actually hunter biden's laptop it could have I mean, been they, oh, no, they, they, they did like, they came out and they literally Russian. came out and they showed that essentially you know do you know the story about how they found his laptop yeah so yeah, he was at a. For those it, of you, it that was don't a guy know, that had political motives, uh, and no, it is not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was the a, thing is, he, he took made it he, to look, a repair look, shop. Exactly, he took they, it to a repair, repair shop. He he left his laptop yeah. there, and he signed a contract that said, after X amount of days of you not coming to pick up, not responding, not responding to calls, texts, whatever, of um, we can basically take your laptop for essentially. Again, every place has this. You know, every store you go to, if you you leave something there, and then. You eventually just never pick it up. Yeah, they're gonna sell it, get rid of it, throw it away, right? It was there was all sorts of questions that they should have aired when they had that original article that uh, questioned that narrative of the, the the store owners, and they couldn't show like a good. I think it's called chain of evidence um, in that the the laptop was not always under someone's watchful eye. Mm. And there was a weird thing where he was like taking it with him places and there was involvement with other like Republican officials um, trying to get the laptop to New York Post. Um, it was it was just weird. Now, there's definitely hanky panky involving Hunter Biden. Like it's all very distasteful and probably a little bit illegal um, pales in comparison to the, the, the Trump family's financial doings by the way. Um, I mean, I'm but sure, but I mean, they, they should, they should have approached it with more nuance. And that nuance is what the New York times has used when they've covered the Hunter Biden story. They haven't put it but on I mean, page, but when like you, there's a whole I'm, bunch of stuff happening. That's what I'm saying is when you look at it, it kind of, most, most of the like good scoops on that have been from New York times, Washington post. Okay. But I'm just saying, if you look at it from like other people's points of views, specifically the right, it's like, why did you not talk about this during the election? And again, you're saying, well, the chain of this and this and that and whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, to me, as an independent, it just looks at, oh, we can't. It make absolutely our was talked about even in the election, though, right? Even like they talked the right. about it and I'm then said it from, wasn't talked about. I'm saying, it's I'm ridiculous. saying, from the right, it was talked about. The left, CNN, ABC, CBS did not. And want they to absolutely talk about did it. talk about it. They just didn't think it was that big of a deal compared to other things that were happening, which was so you true. don't you don't think that it was a big deal in the sense of you know the I Joe think it Biden, the Biden family Biden was financially corrupt and had some bad business dealings. I don't think it showed that. Uh, Biden himself was involved or that it was continuing or that he was actually profiting from a relationship with Biden. He was just profiting from the impression of a relationship with Joe Biden. Hmm. I don't know about them sharing a phone number. Yeah, there is there's text messages that I think recently came out about that. Yeah, there, there was communication between them and whatnot, but it's like it's not clear. It's very vague. Um, but look, and it's uh, the, the political reporting on it has been 
motivated by the sense that there's a conspiracy to suppress it, which is a bad prior. Yeah, I mean, look, all approach. I gotta say is we'll talk yeah, about okay. we'll, we'll talk about you know the the hundred body we could hundred body stuff in more, but would probably be its own episode. Same with January sixth. I mean, I'd yeah. have to do a lot more research on it. Cause, yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's, there's still stuff coming out there. too with the hundred body hundred biter. I just wish that they had, had put that same amount of effort as well into, you know, investigating the Trump family because there are a lot of great reports also by the New York Times on their taxes and finances and whatnot. That are not discussed among the right-wing media as well. Well, yeah, I all. mean, yes, the, there's def- there, are de- totally. there are definitely biases on both sides. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, as, I an ind- as an independent... The, 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 the moderate institutional newspapers are m- much less mm-hmm. than the the biases of, of New York Post. Um, oh, probably. That, that's yeah, no, that's that my, my main... I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm not trying to, like, defend... Fox, Newsmax, uh, New York Post, and say that you know they're not doing that. I definitely know that they do the same things that I'm talking about with CNN. Not the and same thing. There's there's very little equivalency. Fox News and New York Post, and that will die on this hill, are hey. bad for society. They're very negative. They've led to hundreds of thousands of deaths, essentially, possibly I'm, millions. Look, I'm you can you can make that that um that some argument. of the most dangerous institutions in the world today. They you can make that argument. All you want, but at the end of the day, I didn't see uh, ABC, CBS, CNN talk about you know the whole Democratic um, um, governor situation with uh, what's his name Cuomo. Putting wow. those people in those. They absolutely did. I got all of my information from about the Cuomo. I'm talking about I'm talking about sexuals from the New Yorker, the most liberal magazine there is. Right. I'm talking about on the, the early. Time. I'm talking about the early on, like While when it was, it was happening. happening. It was t- definitely talked about, but it. One of them I, didn't. I got all of my sources on that from the I New York Times. I, I, I'll check it, but I'm pretty sure didn't one of them yeah, end like, up suppressing? I think it was ABC. There. Didn't they end up suppressing new like information for years about Epstein and just didn't do anything about it? I mean, there's both sides do. Look, the whole point of this freaking argument is that both sides do it, and <laughs> the parties, fo- all the news organizations, just they're full all biased. anarchy. Yeah, we don't need any of it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that brings us to the uh, actually the next topic. The one that you were talking about, the uh, oh, you're talking about the Jalen Walker, Jalen um, Walker. I wasn't talking about that at all. I know very little. No, no, not not Jalen Walker. I mean, we can segue into yeah. that, but the whole community policing thing. Oh like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, Please. but to start it off, essentially, um, the Jalen Walker. I know that you didn't look too in depth into yeah. it. I know you haven't like seen the video or anything yet. But essentially, what happened is um, Jalen Walker, who was is being portrayed as this really good kid. Um, you know, uh, DoorDash delivery driver, um, led police. He, well, he's getting pulled over. He led police on a chase, shot at them, and then proceeded to get out of the car and lead them on a foot chase. And, uh, when he turned around, his hands were in his waistband and they shot him like 60 times. Um, obviously Jesus. the reason he was shot so much is because there was just simply more officers there. And obviously any officer or person who feels that their life is in danger. And again, as someone who had shot at them prior to this incident and them not knowing that he still had his gun on him. I mean, they all clearly are going to claim that they're, they were in fear of their lives. Um, and so the and reason I'm talking about this excessive force in order to make sure that there's no chance of him attacking them and, Etc. I think we're all I, familiar. I with wouldn't like necessarily. The, uh, the I wouldn't necessarily say of the police training in this issue, right? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say excessive. I would say that you know it was just simply the number of officers that were there. Yeah, I think if you have a bunch, well, of it's still it's excessive. Officers, yeah, 
I, not necessarily because, because of the off, based the of based on there, to an based, extent, right? based on police policy. I mean, not if you're shooting at you, you shooting at them earlier that yeah. day. So during the police chase, he shot at them. Okay, then. And so essentially, yeah. the point is is for all policies um, when it pertains to like police officers, they're supposed to shoot until the threat is basically dead yeah, and, yeah, or right. stopped. Yeah. So essentially, when you have all of those officers with that same policy, essentially yeah. in their mind, they're all going to be firing their entire magazine at uh-huh. that person, which is why he was shot like 60 times. Uh-huh. Um, and so the reason I bring this up is because I want to get your guys' view on this because Black Lives Matter and everybody's coming out saying that this, you know, it was just another unarmed black man killed because he didn't have the firearm firearm on him at the time. It was recovered in the car, but he didn't have it on him at the time. And so I just was curious about what you guys thought about the whole situation um, because we have one side already clean, like claiming you know bloody murder um, for this kid dying, for endangering other lives, shooting at police officers, giving them a reason to essentially shoot this kid. Um, I mean, yeah. Like I, I wish he wasn't dead, but in a situation like that where you've shot at police officers and there's tons of them chasing you because they have to they have to get rid of this threat to the, for the greater yeah, good. for society yeah. i mean he could have killed someone it would, running it, like it's like it's a I tough situation for him yeah. to have just been arrested but it just when you have all these people who are like anxious this guy already shot at you earlier and his hands are at his waist like yeah i could see why he got shot exactly i mean i don't know what your personal views on our on our are on it connor but my personal thoughts are you know this isn't like a trayvon martin this isn't george floyd this isn't those instances i think um what's the guy fruitvale station might play there's a movie about it with michael b jordan um but there's 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 yeah there's numerous numerous instances of just like blatant disregard for you know human life especially black lives and you know officers should be punished for that but in this instance i really don't see how you know their actions were surely it was a bad outcome that someone was shot and that someone was shooting at people in a way that made it look like he was deserved to have been shot right well it seems like I, I, really he I, mean, look, I wouldn't necessarily I, I, I wish I don't think he was I yeah, wish no, that I don't he, think he deserved to be shot or killed. I don't, I don't no, think that he should, I don't think he deserved outcome. to die yeah. I, I think either way you look at it like yeah it's sad a person lost their life at the end of the day I can see how again, that outcome happened but yeah you can see through through their actions you know how I don't it think led their actions that. should continue. I think it was a bad policy, and the you know, um, the continued well, okay. police pressure. Look at it. Look at in, it like this. In part, contributed to the guy. What? What if going he, out and committing police suicide? Okay, but what about what if he actually did turn around with a gun and shoot and kill an officer? Then what would you, what would you say then? It would just be like, oh well. It seems to be the same thing. He was still suicidal and mm-hmm. confronting the police in a nihilistic urge of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of factors contributed to that and how can we reduce the chances of that happening again? What if he was more extreme and had, you know, like a bomb strapped to him and was willing to take out tons of police officers? Right, definitely. Yeah, that was, so that was very then, serious. So would, would I you, think I'm that saying would be what's a tragic poli- result for him as well and but, but us. The whole point we're making is what's your view of the policy essentially because you're saying that, you know, the policy is excessive essentially and that it should not be there, but... What? I get why it's there because you don't like you genuinely don't know what this person. And there's has numerous on. instances of my, people being on drugs. And my contention is that the policy itself mm-hmm. contributes to the uh, value to that person of going out and shooting up things and presenting himself as a threat. Uh, mm-hmm. If the policy wasn't there, um, he would have been less likely to do that in a roundabout fashion um, because he lives in a police state where people are being killed all the time um 
innocently and, and not so innocently. Uh, he doesn't have the security and safety he needs to go about his life, so he is acting out um, in a way against the police state that is subduing him. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a suicidal action. Yeah, but overall, I mean, but the, the, this guy in specifically. Uh, you know, I don't know the specifics oh, okay. of his case, but I'm he thinking of a, a archetypal case right man. now. I would I I don't think he was necessarily door dashing. He was a door dash driver. Oh, okay. But essentially, you know, they tried to pull him over for a simple like traffic travel. You know, like oh, you were speeding. You didn't put on your turn signal. Oh, your tra- your tail lights. It was a simple like traffic infraction that he was getting pulled over, and he ran mm-hmm. from police. Which again, you're putting people's lives in that's, danger. That's also an indication that the police policy was damaging there because he really feared for his life when the police pulled him over. That was not could have been a night a, a light I mean, you're ending assuming. thing. I mean, right yeah, that's, that an really ass- that's that assumption. is an assumption. But as soon as they pulled him over, they applied a lot of pressure to him that didn't need to be applied. That that's escalated. A, that's the situation. another assumption. Though. Not not necessarily. I mean, again, we, we I think, don't know. I think you know it. His actions running go to. The idea that pressure was applied to him. That is, some people just. I mean, beat the but fuck that's what I'm saying. Look well, at it like this. He had an illegal firearm. I've seen that plenty of times. You have to look at it. The, the way I look at the situation is he had an illegal firearm on, on him, and when he got pulled over, he was scared that it would be discovered. So instead of just pulling over and being like, you know what, I'm probably going to go to jail for uh-huh. this, he decided to run instead because he thought he could get if away. If you'd assume that the policy was to have some guy come over and say, hey, what's up, man? And maybe not search the car not discover the firearm or if they had discovered the firearm say hey it's cool man just deliver it to the police station later we'll give you some money for it he wouldn't have panicked and thought that he was in in any danger he was in danger or he thought that he was in danger because of the The police policies that he was familiar with surrounding the illegal firearm not necessarily the firearm itself i mean i i think essentially what it is is again when you when you do wrong when you're a bad person when you've stolen a car when you have robbed a store when you've done something bad you have something on you that you're not supposed to have and that the you know the government will put you in jail for i think that there's definitely a i need to run for my life mind this articulation of there's bad people and good people and the bad people are doing crime and the good people aren't i mean I, i do think that there's Bad, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody breaks the law in some instance, whether it be a traffic law and reckless driving, getting a DUI, or if you're murdering people. You know, there's definitely all different types of crime um, within society, and it's not like all people in society are good. But I do think that, you know, in this instance, it was whether he was a good kid or not, I mean, he chose to make poor decisions. Why did he have the illegal firearm? And that probably led him to run because he was like, if this is discovered, I could go to jail for a very long right, time, yeah. which is in turn led to him losing his life because of stupid actions. Shorter sentences would also de-escalate the situation. That's one of the motives of decriminalization and abolitionism is to lessen the uh, the pressures on somebody if they do get arrested so that they can come out of it thinking, this isn't a setback, I'm going to be punished, but I might receive help that will help me, uh, you know, choose or make the right decisions later on so Um, in in what instance what policy would you like to have seen in this instance that would have made this better because again uh the thing that i see with you know abolitionists is like defund the police which is a big it's gained a lot of traction imagine that he was approached in a traffic stop by someone who was unarmed and had no power to um uh lock him up for the firearm he could have easily killed the officer then i don't think he would have had much of a reason to as 
That's but he assumption. obviously had more that, of a reason again, to run. Assumption. But it I mean, definitely contributes to his motives in the in the area. Like, we like I mean, look, that. look. When I just people saw are a video, approaching random people, there is some we, element we, of danger we when don't they know approach that random people. I just saw a video like last night, and it was a meme because this dude in the UK was getting stopped by an unarmed officer, and the dude in turn threw the officer on the ground and put him in handcuffs. The officer. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what you have, if you have unarmed officers trying to de-escalate situations, there are plenty of people in this society, as we have seen, who shoot up shoot up people in mass shootings, who shoot up schools, who just kill people in gang violence, domestic violence, all kinds of stuff. If they know that the officer does not have a gun, they have nothing, no, there's nothing to fear. Right, you have exactly. Nothing, but there's if you have nothing to fear, to fear no then, they, then they can kill the officer and then go about Why their day. Why would they? Because they they are not scared. Think you about seem it. to have this idea that the, the character of the person leads to the, leads them to do these random acts of violence, but that's not really how the psychology of the attacker works. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, if if uh, again, even in if I was a criminal and I was robbing a bank and the police showed up and they did not have guns, I have no reason at all to stop for them. Yeah. Like why? Why? What are you gonna do? I you have a gun. You have, don't. So you can, the, you, you the abolitionist. Have, idea is okay, that if the ahead. police don't have guns you don't as much have to rob the bank because the police not having guns is also part of another holistic um, policy intervention uh, so where there's there's banks in the neighborhood and you have savings there so you don't need to rob it um, no I don't think that works because then you like if you don't have armed enforcers you can't enforce the law if you don't have people enforcers, you can't enforce. The I mean, law. it's a like, it's, it's, really it's a prime example the in the UK. Like whenever someone actually has a weapon, like a knife, and they confront officers, the officers have to call people with guns mm-hmm. to come in to de-escalate the situation. Like a good policy, right? I mean, you not necessarily because in that instance, what if like again, I sh- I told you about the dude who's on video assaulting an officer, throwing him on the ground, and then putting him in handcuffs. Well, what if that guy instead had a knife on him and just decided to kill the officer in front of him? You're also not considering all of the negative consequences of police approaching all of these uh, situations with the idea that they might get shot um, and approaching them violently. The police approaching uh, situations with the intent to de-escalate and with the idea that it's probably not going to lead to violence and that they don't need to reduces the amount of violence that's going to happen overall i believe mostly that's a very, like police very against strong the assumption. people and the people against the police and this is not just an assumption this is the way it works in I mean, europe sure but they, they don't go have in there guns. without guns or like body like without i mean again the reason at the end the of the call, day they have their no idea to, who's like if they're doing like 95 percent of the calls that police uh take oh, are me. not in regards to violent crime at all that is true and yeah. they don't need guns for those but like at the end of the day they still genuinely don't know what they're walking into exactly like if you're just doing a traffic stop you have no idea if this could be some gangbanger i mean prime example a few, cartel we- a few weeks just ago wants to shoot up cops a few weeks ago an officer pulled over someone in san bernardino um and th- this was uh body cam footage was released Sorry. and everything it's all good stretching my leg um it's all good. and so essentially what happened is this guy was in a bmw with no plates on it and that's why he got pulled over hey man uh you don't have plates in your car i'm just gonna write you a simple t- ticket right the guy gave the officer um, bad information, like fake name, fake address, and the car actually ended up being stolen. Mm-hmm. Once they found out that the car was stolen, they were like, you need to exit the vehicle. He took off running. He hit um, numerous cars and then immediately started shooting at the officer um, after you know uh, after this police uh-huh. chase. And then he suicided by cop in uh-huh. that instance. And so well, they, they cornered him by threatening him to put, threatening to put him into a legal system that 
wasn't just and would have ruined. So his I'm life. just saying, in that instance, what would you have done? The dude was armed. He had stolen a vehicle, and why are you asking what I would have done rather than what? Or what, what the police should well, have done. What, I'm not necessarily what, the, what you the would have done. should have done in a situation with different. I'm, I'm basically uh, incentive in, in this. In this, you're talking about you know this specific, um, you know abolitionist view of police, and I'm saying you're speaking to that that point, and I'm saying in this instance, what would that abolitionist view have been? The abolitionist view would have been that the person was cornered and uh, reduced to a suicidal situation because he viewed he had no more options once he had stolen the car. The abolitionists so, would want to prevent him from stealing the car in the first place by preventing the causes that led him to need to steal the car and want to steal the car. I'm that just, means you're not reducing lead me in in uh, gasoline, for instance, you know, legalizing abortion, all of these broader holistic policy initiatives that prevent crime from happening in the first place. Okay, but that's for an idealistic world. We don't live in that. That's for assuming that's that's a policy that's going based off of the assumption before. that I mean, but everything look at, look is already based like that's going off the assumption that everything is already based in a reality where things are much easier per se. I guess would be a, what like what in terms mean? of like those cause the causation things that you're talking about those are already in effect that's not necessarily the those case. aren't aren't in effect and we need to make those changes right okay now. so then, then fair then what are we going to do now when a cop is going up to a random pullover and he doesn't know what situation he could be getting into like what well, realistically what would you what i mean you obviously like you continue to do the things that you're doing because you aren't doing anything else broadly to change the incentive structures of that mm -hmm. situation um so it's like it, you're, it's, you seem to be asking me, what do you do in a situation where you've done nothing, <laughs> you know, to, to okay. stop that situation from happening? Um, mm -hmm. I, you, you do whatever you need to do, but first you stop those situations from happening in the future. But see, it's, it's my okay. whole point with that is um, they, so then the you kind of agree view. with us. Well, yeah, the abolitionist view. Agree, I agree that the police had no choice within the incentive structures that they already had mm -hmm. to shoot the guy. That it, I, it's a very human thing to shoot that person sixty times, given the situation that they were in. Right. But the situation is a tragedy, and it should have been prevented with policy proposals. And one of those policies is to demilitarize the police so that and 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 demilitarize the justice system so that I mean those for sure making the justice system more and human, less yeah. people have um, a reason to shoot police because you know there'll still be those random people like you say are who are having a schizophrenic break or what have you um, or are on some kind of you know uncontrollable situation um, who are marginalized by virtue of them just being marginalized mm. uh, but there are all sorts of people, the majority of people in those situations, I like to believe, who are there because of the environment that they're in and the choices that they were forced to make in their life because they had access to no other choices. Okay. I mean, I understand that, but yeah. I just think that, you know, we're seeing that now as they're defunding the police and crime has gone up, all types of crime. Of crime I don't think that up. that is a criticism of abolition because the uh, defund the police policies as they've played out by, you know, decriminalizing a few random crimes and lessening sentences on a few random people. I, you know, I don't think that's really in good faith abolitionism and it shouldn't be an indication that abolitionism isn't working. It hasn't been tried yet, mm. not even in, in Portland or any of these other places. You know, 
taking police off the street in the short term. You saw it in, in Boston. It's a great example. There's a great HBO series on it. Um, they, they, they went on strike, and in the short term, crime increased dramatically, but they never fixed any of the problems with the relationship between the people that were being policed and the police. Um, mm -hmm. So they never actually engaged with well, yeah, the well, yeah, I, think I, I understand that, what you're saying. I agree with yeah. that. I think in general, policing should be brought down to more community level policing. Right. Yeah. That would, in turn, I still think they should be armed with guns and whatnot, but that would in turn give them more hesitation in terms of like murdering some. Or Have you guys played someone. Disco Elysium? No. So it's a great uh, detective game, but uh, it's in a fantasy world where all of the police have um, uh, single-shot muskets, uh, and they have to load a new ball and spend like two minutes uh, to do so. Um, they can only get away with this because nobody else in society has anything more powerful than that. Uh, everybody else has single-shot muskets too. So the police aren't at a disadvantage, and they can lower their threat level all the way down as far as possible so that it's less likely that in any situation they get into they're going to be wrong and shoot the wrong person so essentially what you're saying is change the entire policies of um, i want to demilitarize both the public and the police i want to lower the threat levels of everybody and their i just find i just find havoc. that unrealistic no i don't i don't know i don't i, find I don't want to demilitarize the public I think it's probably a good thing. <laughs> you don't want to demilitarize the public. <laughs> no. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, the uh, Second Amendment is there for a reason, man. I mean, look at Trudeau. Overall, um, you know, comment down below if you guys are on YouTube. And uh, if you guys are listening to this, make sure to, you know, try and see some of our visual examples of what we're talking about over on our YouTube channel. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.